when do you guys leave? Oh, Monday. We're flying into Fresno. Yeah. Yeah. El Armpito of California. Yeah. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 25 of 2023. And if my voice sounds strained, it's because this is the second episode of the PebCAC we are recording today. I'm Chris Lewis, and we'll miss my hosts next week. With me, I have my co-host, Duke Silver, who made a last-minute change to his travel plans. Yeah, thank you for that, that warm introduction. No more New York for me, but maybe next time. So, Oh, what happened? Just a canceled trip? No, all the fires in Canada. Oh, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. You know I hated yeah, wearing we're... a master in COVID. I'm not about to do it again to go visit New York. <laughs> Blame Canada. Yeah. Is, is that who's on it? Um, thing? It's not uh, the... I posted a, a, a reel about that, too. I don't know if you guys saw it. I saw it. I thought it was funny. Yeah. It was uh, Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. He's like, how much does it cost? Is it sent a letter to Canada? They're like, I don't know. What, what did you write? He's like, he opens it up. He's like, dear Canada, F you. You put that on your MySpace? You put that on your MySpace? <laughs> yeah, it's on the MySpace. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Cheers, yes. Cheers. Cheers was a good TV show back in the day. I tell you what. It sure yeah. was. Three's Company was, that dude was a... What? And then Married with Children? Oh, man, the list can go on and on and on. Oh, we should have episode, like, go back in time, name the best uh, sitcoms of, 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 of the then and now. In terms of shows that could no longer be made today. Well, they could be made. It's just not going to be on cable TV. It's not going to be on regular TV. It's going to be on cable, yeah. right? I rewatched like... the South Park movie, and I was like, I don't even know how that was made back then. But <laughs> like, that was so... Well, Such a sketch, very sketch. <laughs> so, yeah. so here, here's one for you. Why is Blazing Saddle still playing? That is the most, one of the most racist movies. What is it? Like Blazing Saddles, Mel Never Brooks. Heard of it. Oh my God, you got to uh, watch it. A, oh, you want a me pretty to watch famous racism scene. now? It's funny. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, the racial epithets, but <laughs> yeah. funny at the time, definitely not acceptable today. No. By, but it still plays on TV, which is so funny. Yeah. And we have Glenn Medina packing his winter coat. Woohoo! I'm out of here, boys. And like I said, it seems kind of odd. I feel like I've just talked to you, like this is the second time. But uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to head out and go to our company club trip in Reykjavik. Reykjavik? Reykjavik. I know Chris is going to tell me some Hyundai thing, but yeah, this is uh, <laughs> heading out to Iceland. Hyundai. Hyundai. Oh, Dude, I'm so excited for you. I hope you have a good time on that trip. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Are you going to visit that really famous volcano that effed up air traffic for like six months? Yeah, so that was in 2010. I just looked it up. Um, and I heard it. 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 there's a volcano over there that just erupted. Not to the extent that that one did, but yeah, but it's uh, pretty crazy. My stomach erupted earlier. <laughs> I think I had some food poisoning. That's why the earth moved for a little bit there. I mean, I, I literally dumped so hard the toilet flushed by itself. It was amazing. 
<laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Late night podcasting, my boys. That's what we talk about, right? <laughs> no guests this week. Combined, we have decades of information security experience here, not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So hold on. We should find out like who, which podcasts when we record late at night. And I'm sure we can recount those like on one hand, like how well they rate knowing, you know, how late we're recording them versus the ones that we do during the day. It's a little confused. So, I mean, I can remember them off the top of my head. So, episode 50 with Sahir and SP, that was uh-huh. highly rated just because of the guest. Our Black Hat episode, because that was mm-hmm. a live episode with the three of us. And then our episode 100, the, those were the, our late night episodes, and those are all the ones that did wildly well. Yeah. This year, we will record at Black Hat again. However... We're not using Chris's room. Like, he, for some reason, wants to live where it's like 90 degrees in there. It was miserable. <laughs> like, turn on the air conditioning, man. It's freaking July. If you want to volunteer your room, over. more power yeah. to you. You can't. Turn the AC on. I tell you what, though, I was at Vegas this past week, and it never fails that I get a really nice suite when I'm the only person there. So I had a really nice corner suite. I got upgraded, and it was it was beautiful. But no one to share it with. My wife couldn't come with me. So pictures or pr- prove it, prove it. <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are recording two episodes on the same day because my two co-hosts would both be traveling next week, making it impossible to record a show. I mean, Since it's possible. You... It would ruin our lives, though, to do it. That's true, <laughs> no doubt. I think my wife would be upset with you recording at whatever time in the morning. Yeah. Halfway around the world. But yeah. Since you, the listeners, are expecting a new episode every week, we decided to record two episodes before they left. And before any of you get any ideas, this episode will be released after they return, so I would not advise attempting any home invasions. You could try. I can't guarantee you'd be successful. I encourage so. it. I just, I welcome all. <laughs> We are recording quite late at night, and this is a drinking episode. So right here, I have an Oban 18 that one of my sales reps was so kind to buy me after we closed a deal together. What are mm-hmm. you guys drinking tonight? I have the uh, Cutwater Vodka Mule in a can. And you know me, of course. I'm always going to go with my COVID killer, Tito's on Ice. Tito's on Ice, that's how, you get, that's how you get that glow about you, Glenn. You <laughs> look so fresh and so clean. Oh, no. I look fresh and clean because I shower every day. Oh, is that all I have to do? <laughs> oh. And if you stay fat, if you stay fat, there won't be any wrinkles. So <laughs> this folds. <laughs> that's it. So. Well, cheers, gentlemen. Here's to an awesome episode 116. Yeah. So, so one uh, other thing for those for those of you that are listening to this podcast right now, running while we're drinking, have fun. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. This is episode one seventeen, isn't it? Uh, yeah. This is one seventeen. Yeah. All right. You said we, we did record two, so yeah. yeah you are so stupid. You know that? <laughs> oh man. Cheers to an awesome episode one seventeen. Yeah. That's it. This week we're going to talk about a cryptocurrency hack. 
saying goodbye to another old friend. For our third topic, the Brave browser adds even more privacy and close with a chat about our favorite city. For our first topic, it's been a while since we did a proper cryptocurrency story, so we're going to open with an attack on the Atomic Wallet. Atomic Wallet is a multi-currency wallet for mobile and desktop users to store and trade cryptocurrency. Back on June 3rd, Atomic received reports that their users' wallets were getting inexplicably drained. Atomic investigated but could not figure out how the attackers were draining their customers' wallet. At the time of this recording, over $35 million in magic internet money has been stolen, and Atomic took their wallet download site offline fearing a supply chain attack. The latest news is that the North Korean Lazarus Group is responsible for the attack. They have stolen hundreds of millions, if not billions, in cryptocurrency to help fund the North Korean regime's nuclear missile programs despite the crippling economic sanctions. But what some of the blockchain analysis people have noticed is that the money stolen from the atomic wallet hacks has been laundered through the same tumblers and same TTPs that the Lazarus Group has been using in the past. That's how they're able to link it back to them. So if they can link it back, I take it they can trace it out of there since they're tumbling it still? They can trace it. It's a matter of how do they claw it back is the problem. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you're right. All I know is Kim Jong-un, he killed everyone's dogs. That guy, he's a terrorist. Killed his own brother. That's not cool. I I love my brother and all, but I love my dog more. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, Keelan. Dogs are freaking rad, man. He's killed a lot of people. yeah, I love. Unlike you, I love my brother, but I hate my sister-in-law. So, like I said, that's okay. <laughs> Jeez. But look at North Korea, man. Like you know, these guys are hungry. I, like, who's backing them? Where are all these smart people coming from? And how did they even get access to the internet? You think that that little fat, roly-poly leader would be uh, blocking everything? It would be the the answer to your first question. Where are they getting these guys from? Uh, China. So China is one of the training grounds for the North Korean hacking teams. They have a sort of like a pseudo student exchange program where they send North Korean hackers to China, get trained up on it. They identify people early that people are that are gifted in mathematics and computer science. They put them in a special track and North Korea is a very tiered system. So for the, if, if you guys haven't read this, there's a book called the Lazarus heist. It's a book and it's a podcast series that gives you a glimpse into what life is like in North Korea that there's the regular working class and they're, they're literally starving. Kim Jong-un is starving his population. And then for those people that show special talent that work for the regime, they get palaces, they get big screen TVs, they get Land Rover cars. So there's a lot of motivation like America. to do well on behalf of the regime. And one of the things that you can do to achieve that is to hack on behalf of the regime and, I'm sure they have quotas like us salespeople that if you steal a certain amount of cryptocurrency for the regime, then you get extra bonuses and commissions. So I thought the only person welcome from outside of North Korea was Dennis Rodman, but apparently they have a, an open door policy with, with uh, China. All right. Well, I don't think Who there's knew? any sanctions between the two co- co- countries, right? So 
There's sanctions against North Korea, and since China is a member of the UN, technically they're supposed to abide by it, but they still have this like foreign exchange program where North Korea puts their nationals into like IT jobs and they put them in China to learn these hacking skills. Well, shoot, good for them. Yeah, it's just one of those things that no matter how hard the economic sanctions come down on North Korea, they, they always find a way around it. And this cryptocurrency is just the latest thing because prior to cryptocurrency, they tried to steal money from the Bangladesh Bank the, during the swift heist back in uh, it's probably like eight years ago by now. And then now that all these cryptocurrency exchanges popped up, they said, well, but this is way easier than trying to break into a bank. We just break into this startup company that has weak security. You, you ever think there's going to be a point in time where cryptocurrency just gets null and void because of all this craziness that's going on over there? I mean, it's like, yeah, that's great. You steal it. And then it's like, well, you know, it does just doesn't it doesn't just add up anymore right it's not worth it so therefore it's it's kind of it's going to make itself defunct in, in at the end of the day to an extent the whole point of things like bitcoin and ethereum is it's decentralized so there's no government that can possibly shut it down there's nobody in charge of it the way that they've been attacking it is at the exchange level so i can have this magic internet money and on paper it's worth millions of dollars but you know china doesn't want magic internet money they want hard currency so the, the moment you trade that cryptocurrency into hard currency at the exchange level that's typically where they're trying to target that yeah well i, I so here, here here's my here's my theory on this right it's it's kind of like beanie babies remember the phenomenon or maybe you guys might be too young i remember beanie babies glenn uh, beanie babies right they're, they're only worth as much as someone else is willing to pay and then you get on the market and whatever right and for and i, I kind of liken that to bitcoin right like you're willing to trade it but at, at the end of it when you want cash for it it's really not worth much at you know at the end of all that and is that where you can trade it all day, make a lot of money. Like you can trade one princess dive beanie baby for whatever, however many beanie babies. And as long as you keep it in that currency, it's fine. But the minute you try and trade it out for cash, it's really not worth anything. Look at Chris trying to keep his composure. Like anytime I ask him, like, what should I invest my money in? Buy crypto, buy Bitcoin. Yeah, so Bitcoin. like you're like, buy Bitcoin. don't buy beanie babies, yeah. buy like, Bitcoin. <clears throat> yeah. I, I just like, I just don't get it. So that's why I'm like, oh, I'll do a little bit, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm at the end of the road here, right? I, I'm not going to put in all my money into to Bitcoin. Just a, just a traditionalist in that sense. I love that we're assuming that they stole Bitcoin. It was probably just a bunch of like Doge and other like worthless crap coins that are out there. <laughs> and when they, like, can you imagine be like, you go to the Supreme Leaders like, yeah, we got 35 million and uh, Bitcoin, yeah. he's like, yeah, he's like, what can we do with this? I'm like, he's like, well, you know how monopoly money works? And they go, like, oh god, <laughs> chop his head off, everyone, <laughs> execute. <laughs> no soup for you. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. We'll see how they got in. I'm sure it's some kind of vulnerability that they programmed into their wallet, and even the developers themselves can't find it. They just took this thing offline until they could figured out at the time of recording they're still not unsure so they said the losses right now are 35 million but they could potentially grow and and it's odd they're not telling people to like transfer money to somebody else's wallet they're just like 
stay put. We'll figure it out, and hopefully no one gets their money stolen. For our second topic, we have to yet again pour one out for an old friend. This time it's Microsoft's ChatGPT version 1, the Cortana Smart Assistant. First released with Windows 8, Cortana turns 8 years old, and with all things Assistant or AI related, it's time to put it out to pasture. We did a story a while back that the Lapsus ransomware gang stole the source code for Cortana in their now famous hack against Microsoft. I've never used it, as I'm sure many of our listeners have not either, but it was a novel idea at the time to compete with smart assistants like Amazon's Alexa and Apple's Siri on your computer. Speculation is that Cortana will be replaced by some version of OpenAI's large language model now that Microsoft owns 49% and is fully baked into Bing search. This whole time I thought it was called Corona. Now I know why it didn't work for me. (laughs) Hey, Corona. (laughs) Yelling slurs at a computer that's not understanding me. And by the way, every time you say Siri and Alexa, everyone's audio devices, you know, listening. Yeah. Well, just say Sarah and it starts to go crazy on you. Well, that's that's their fault because Siri can voice train. And if you voice train, only you can control it. So if if I'm saying, hey, Siri, and it sets off your device, I either sound like you or you haven't trained your device. Oh, do you guys really use that? I mean, I, I, I do like call my wife, call kids, call my favorite kid, you know, and it works works fine but that's, that's about as far as i go do you guys do you guys do all you guys do home automation anyway so you guys probably have a different level of dependency on siri so i used to do home automation with like a home bridge because i don't i don't mm-hmm. have a bunch of apple devices and that was great and then eventually wink like stopped supporting their api or something stupid happened so i ditched that with the a different smart thing so i don't really use it all that much unless i'm driving so car plays when i leverage a lot of Siri. Yeah, I use it for the first time the other day because even when I'm driving, I can keep my eyes on the road and automate. Like if I have to call a particular person, I can do it without looking. But I had to call a few people the other day that I normally don't call. So then I did ask Siri to make that phone call for me and it worked out pretty well. Yeah, but that's that's like fundamentals, right? You're not doing anything like Siri, turn the house lights on, and you I know, used to. That was rad take, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not yeah. there yet. The place I will eventually be moving into will be enabled like that, and then I can say things like turn off, turn on the patio lights, and then it'll turn on the patio lights for me. But you'll probably do some other automation, right? Like when your phone senses you're two miles away, then it starts to turn the lights on. The minute you walk through the hallway, the uh, the rest of the lights come on because you're that cheap, right? So <laughs> as you leave a room, then it senses and the lights turn back off because you're a miser. So just like I told Brian, I'm I'm almost two years into this. I want to move in first, and then I'll worry about the automation piece of it. You'll get there. Chris Young, yeah. who we've had on the podcast, has got a really interesting thing. He's got a camera set up that supposedly can read people's emotions as they walk in through the front door. And so he's got uh, like a picture of his wife and his, his, his daughter and his son. 
And not only can it tell if they're like in a pissy mood or a happy mood, but also does period tracking as well, like cycle tracking. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's going a little far there. A little too invasive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like the I mean, living with four women. I don't think that's going to um, work. I don't think they'd be too happy yeah, about that. Uh, oh, you know, let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> yeah, I remember in college, everyone was like, "Oh man, all the girls, you know, in the same house, they sync up." I pray that that would happen, right? Like that never happened. I mean, like you, there's four women in this house. Every week is hell week, right? It's shark week. <laughs> it's, it's one after another. There's like no break whatsoever, man. So do you have the saying? If if you're afraid of anything that can bleed for seven days and still be alive, well, that was on the South Park movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mister Garrison. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's get back to Cortana here. Did anyone ever use Cortana? Because I've always disabled it whenever I registered something. You know, a, dev- a Windows device in the last. Gosh, since Windows eight, I've always disabled it. Yeah, same. Anytime I did a. Uh... Windows install and I, I was primarily Mac, but anytime I'd run like a Windows VM or have to do some testing on Windows, that was like the first thing I disabled was any of the extra stuff, including Cortana. So I've I've literally never used Cortana. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the same goes as was like, what's the first thing, you know, what's the most popular website for, for Microsoft Edge? Chrome. Downloadable <laughs> Chrome. <laughs> Download the island browser. I think the last time I used a Windows computer was, Jermall, please, January of 2011. What? But but wait, 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 wait. You have virtualization, though, don't you? Nope, that sounds stupid. (laughs) No? Yeah, I don't do virtualization. I don't, no. No? I have a couple, like, Raspberry Pis, uh, some NAS storage that Chris hooked me up with, and uh, that's Glenn, about it. You forget that he's the cloud oh, wow. god. He's above doing customer demos now. Oh, that's how it goes. Yeah, I say that, but, like, there's, like, this whole new, like, IoT discovery report, and I'm fighting with PM to get access to it. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You know, my own personal tenant. They're like, oh, we don't want to do that because... You know, there's costs associated with it. I'm like, there's costs associated with just running your own personal tenant. Like, we being a little crybaby and give me access to this thing. I'm going to see. I'm going to kick your tires on this thing. So are you still shocked and surprised that a lot of people are still using Windows devices? Yeah. No, really. people are it's, stupid. Yeah, I can see that all the time. Yes, and Enterprise, I'm not surprised because all the Enterprise software out there is written for Windows. But for personal use, I am because... I could give a Mac to my... I actually literally did this. So my, my dad had a Windows machine. It got infected. He went to the wrong website. And I'm like, here, I'm going to buy you a Mac. And and ever since then, nothing. No viruses, no malware, no keyloggers, no accounts getting hacked. Like, for personal use, Mac is... Did you install... Wait, did you install Zscaler on his device? I did afterwards. So... <laughs> you did afterwards. So maybe that was the additional thing, though, right? Was it was it the Mac or was it Zscaler that was actually it's, helping it's, it's keep both. him safe? And same thing, iPhone. Yeah. iPhones yeah. rarely get hacked compared to Android. Macs rarely get hacked compared to Windows. It's just it's it's market share, and then it's also how locked down the system is. So you might have to like bleep this out, Chris. Oh and I, I think I know the actual re reason, real reason uh, to this, but like. Like I, I look upon I look down upon anybody with an Android device. I'm like, oh, you know, you're one of them, right? And then every single time I'm around Jay, Homeboy's got a, a <laughs> he's got an Android in his hands, and 
I think I heard I heard a rumor that he said a lot of his problems have always been around Apple products, and that's the reason why he doesn't do it. I'm of the mindset that that's not it. He wants to show how robust his security cloud is, that he's running the most vulnerable device known to man, and it has Zscaler protecting it. It's got to be that. Just remember that the CEO of LifeLock, he was like so confident in his service, he'd have billboards with a social security number on it, and then eventually his identity did get stolen, and they had to stop that ad campaign. Well, hold on. Is it because Jay runs an Android because it's a cheaper solution versus an iPhone? Or because, you know. All right. Chris, you clearly have to edit this out. (laughs) 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 Moving on. on. Sorry, guys. Uh, well, then again, I don't work for the I don't work for the company anymore. So, <laughs> and we come back to the billboard thing. Uh, fun fact: my my son, who's only you know he's under twenty years old, had his identity stolen, and uh, we found out when we went to go do taxes and stuff. So not only did they steal his identity, but they gave him phenomenal credit. Like he's got like a FICO eight hundred now. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. applied for a credit card, and like you know, all the kids are are doing it. So like you know, they get like a $300 credit limit or 700 bucks, right? And his comes in at $7,100 <laughs> for like a, an 18 year old. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just like, awesome. what the heck it's is not going a bug. on? That's it a had feature. the opposite effect, right? Yeah. yeah. It's opposite effect. That's pretty But it was cool. funny. We went out to like the, uh, some website to, you know, you know, check on your identity. And it was just like, oh, you know, let's, let's prove it's really you. And it's like, well, do you live in uh, La Brea, California, Sacramento, California, San Diego, California, or, you know, Las Cruces, New Mexico. I was like, well, I don't live anywhere. <laughs> so, like, that's how far skewed it is. It is somebody in California with a, a checkered, you know, past that's got his identity. So, it's a lot of fun. But right building there. good credit in the meantime. Yeah. They're doing they really it. Right. Need, they just need a fresh start. Well, for our third topic, the privacy centric Brave browser, which I continue to rave about, and I talk to anybody who will listen use the brave browser uh, it continues to impress me brave is working with some service providers for victims in abusive relationships to create a feature called off the record or otr the new feature will be written in the http headers and when brave sees it the browser will ask the user if they want to go off the record some victims in abusive relationships have their web browsing monitored so off the record helps victims research help services without potentially tipping off their abusive partners. Now, how is off the record different from incognito mode? Incognito mode stops all web browsing traffic from being recorded. So if an abuser checks the internet history and sees a five or 10 minute gap in the browsing history when they know their partner was on the computer, that in itself is incriminating. Off the record only stops the logging and local file storage of just the one website where the user requested to go off the record. Incognito windows may be left open and have its history exposed. When a user closes the off the record tab, all history and temporary storage is immediately deleted and there would be no record the victim was ever there. All the website traffic from the other tabs will still continue to be logged as to not tip off their abuser that they were off seeking help. So it's an incognito 
tab is what I'm really hearing. Pretty much. It's an incognito tab, but it's also a proactive alert. So when you visit this website, it'll proactively ask you, do you want to go off the record? So instead of having to like mentally think and actively open an incognito window, it'll prompt you. Like if you visit the site, are you, can you do you want to turn off tracking? Click yes. And then all your, your traffic to that website will, will not be tracked or recorded in the history. Is it any like victim type of website? Or a specific one? It's It's got to be written in the headers. So they're partnering with many victim help service websites. Mm. And they'll say off the record equals one. And that'll tell the browser to do that. But any website can do it. So I could switch chrislouis.com to include this header off the record equals one. And it'll ask you, do you want to go off the record when you visit chrislouis.com? It's an, it's an opt-in model. So I think this is an awesome thing, right? But I think there's a flaw in this because if you have an abusive person in your life and heaven forbid you do, what's the other thing that they'll do that'll just totally bypass all that? Keylogger. Keylogger. Yeah. Yeah. So you're screwed anyway. But if you had an enterprise browser, you could do keylogger prevention inside there. So that way the input can be anonymized as it's being sent to to to, to the website. So, so you hear that's it actually really cool. Island yes. for abused women. That's right. Data. It doesn't have to be women, Brian. It can be <laughs> yeah, abused men as yeah. well. Well, yeah, I don't know if you heard. That. Yeah, Grace right. hasn't been very nice to Chris. So <laughs> let's be very cool. Let's be very cool here. So. By the way, Grace <laughs> happened to listen to that one episode, and she did not appreciate your comments about her potentially abusing me. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> so. Well, like, she wouldn't she... be offended if it wasn't true. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> She doesn't listen to the podcast. The one podcast she decides to listen to is what Glenn so talks she was about already, She's already gaslighting you on this one. I love, like, so, like, the word gaslighting was not anything until, like, the, maybe, like, the last six months, like, these teenage kids picked it up, and so they're using it as much as they can. That's from can the that it, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, That's where it got last year. popularity. Yeah. And so now it's finally into YouTube Shorts, where Glenn has picked it up and thrown into his his uh, vocabulary. <laughs> his lexicon. That's twice we've heard. Yeah, <laughs> it's my word. It's my word of the day. <laughs> That's why you heard it in two episodes right here on the podcast. <laughs> There's yeah. some comedian saying that his his uh, he's getting older, and his version of like bungee jumping now is this using words that he doesn't know if it actually fits in the in the right context. He's like, he's like I don't know. Sounds pretty conspicuous to me is that, like, is that see that almost sounds like the wedding ringer do you ever watch that yeah, yeah. that was a good one <laughs> where if you're getting caught in a lie you just spit out a whole bunch of words and you make it sound like you're intelligent and then you just move on and totally confuse the person you're talking to yeah <laughs> all right so going going real back to the the victim stuff real quick uh do you guys have a gas station in california called the quick trip yeah Okay. Quick stop. Wait, wait, wait. Quick trip or quick stop? Quick trip. No, quick trip. Oh. I think is a uh, Midwest South thing. Okay. Yeah. So for all of our listeners out there, one of the things. So quick trip. As you guys may know, I do eat an insane amount of gas station food for some reason. <laughs> but uh, the one reason why I like going to Quick Trip, and I will always support them over any other gas station that's out there, you know, for like a drink or you know a quick bite to eat or snack is that it, every one of them is called a safe place. So 
uh, if you're a runaway child, uh, abused woman, I guess you can be an abused man, you can go there and they have a protocol to put you in place to keep you safe uh, until the authorities can get there. So if you're ever like in a bad situation, you head over there to take care of you. Pretty cool thing. So so is there like a safe room? Yeah, safe What's room over there. Supposedly. So they lock people out. So they lock people out from getting in. So if the uh, if the person that's trying to take you back is taking you, trying to get you at gunpoint, then you should be okay. I guess so. I have no idea, man. I didn't, I didn't look into that far. Other than this, it's kind of cool because they have like a sign up. It says a safe place, yeah. and I googled it. I'm like, oh man, that's pretty rad. You should- yeah. You should try it out. You should run in there one day and just say, "Hey, if this lady comes in here, <laughs> put me in the safe room right now." <laughs> I don't think there's anyone in their right mind will ever look to me like I'm going to protect you. <laughs> like I just don't see that. Well, you never know. That's you, good. Yeah, that's you a good never thing. know. That's a good thing to have. And when you really think about it, gas stations are actually pretty well fortified against like armed people trying to get in like they have like the bulletproof glass they have the at least here in california you know after a certain hour if you want to buy a pack of smokes or a red bull or something that they have this like door that you have to put things through and it's bulletproof and no two doors can be opened at the same time you just put the red bull in you put the cash in close the door get the red bull close the door so that it seems like that could be a logical place to harbor potential abuse victims so I just uh, re, uh, re, reread it. So it says, 1991, Quick Trip has been designated safe place where runaways and at-risk youth can come in off the street, receive food, drink, and wait for a volunteer safe place agency partner to connect them with a professional help or a place to stay until their situation is resolved. I think they have that in the stalls at the airport, too. Yeah, like the, stay yeah, there. The human trafficking <laughs> all right, thing. so yeah. yeah, I see that all the time. It's like, are you being human trafficked? Then call this number. I'm like, oh, like I get it. Like this is amazing. There's a phone number. But if I'm being trafficked and I have a phone, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm like, man, if there's only some way to get out of this, like you know, I got this thing connected to the internet. I'm on Facebook all day, and I'm on Twitter and and TikTok. If only there was a way to get out of the situation, I'm not buying it. Well, Wait, there should be like a cord inside there, like on a on a chain or something like that, where you can pull, and then it's like, hey, I'm being trafficked, and you pull that chain, yeah, and then someone comes in, like the hospitals, right? Yeah, like the hospitals, help yeah. Comes. They have the, yeah. the the string, so if you fall in and you can't get up, you yank the string, and then they send help. Yeah, there's lots of burps you're gonna have to edit out for making me drink on this podcast. <laughs> what are you drinking over there? That, that's a beer, that's right? The meal. No, it's a vodka mule. Oh, in a can. Okay, super yeah. strong. So for, so for Glenn's benefit, the off-the-record feature will be a browser-agnostic feature. Brave will be the first to implement it into their browser. So this smells like a feature request for your enterprise browser. Well, it sounds like it's probably something that's going to be built inside of Chromium anyway. So they said it's yes. Brave first. I don't know if it's going to be baked in the core Chromium core, but Brave will be the first yeah. to support it. Yeah, good That's on cool. them. Like, they, cool. they don't have to do this, but they yeah, that, are thinking of ways to improve privacy for victims of abusive relationships. Well, yeah, and like I said, I go back to like what's going to defeat that and what, what makes you think that your abuser is not going to have some keylogger on your machine? 
Like that's that's probably the only bad thing about this is like you have a false sense of like I'm going to be safe, but yet your abuser has probably done some other nefarious things to kind of trap for that. Right. Or look for I that. think they specifically called out. So there's a link in the show notes to this the actual brave announcement. And what I I believe one of the things they call out is if there's other spying tools on the machine, this isn't going to help you. But you know you have to think of the yeah. technical sophistication of the average abusive person the abuser in the relationship are they going to be intelligent enough to sell a keylogger on it and then the other flip side of it is brave has a pretty small market share so what are the odds that the abusee has brave installed on their computer so like like you said i hope this gets installed in core chromium at some point so that's 90 plus percent market share of the browsers i think it's a really good feature to have and hopefully it gets there but brave is really leading the charge on this one What's the movie that had um? What's that uh, actress, a uh, singer turned actress, that had a, a strange husband? No, <laughs> no. Buzz married, married to Ben Affleck. Uh, E.T. J Lo. J Lo was in a movie. Yeah, she was in one of those movies. Was it? Uh, she. The wedding she singer. Stranger. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Anaconda. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was not a she had happy Gilmore. What are you talking about? Oh, enough. <laughs> enough was the movie about that. Yes. Yeah, okay, that yeah. was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Deech, right. Ryan's you. off the rails Maybe here. More. So, for our last topic, it's, <laughs> it's late. It's late. It's late, and he's drinking. So therefore, it's off the rails more than usual, folks. For the last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to be talking about the city of San Francisco. We all like to rag on the city to my north with the open-air drug markets, the people borderline overdosing on the streets, but there's been a few stories that makes it hard to ignore that San Francisco is quickly going the way of Detroit, where businesses and people flee and creates what they call a death spiral. So here are a couple of headlines I grabbed when searching for news about San Francisco. And they'll all be linked in through the show notes here. Two major hotels in Union Square have basically defaulted on their loan. So Hilton Union Square and Park 55, they do not see... I've stayed at Park 55. Yeah, so they do not see any recovery in San Francisco where they'll make their money back. And it's cheaper to just walk away from the loan than to just keep paying it back. A high-rise in the city, 350 California Street, just sold for a 73% discount, taking in only $63 million for the whole building when pre-pandemic it was worth over $250 million. William Sonoma and Old Navy are the latest stores to close up shop in San Francisco and will leave due to the rampant theft and safety issues for their employees and customers. They join Target, Whole Foods, Anthropology, and a host of other stores that just closed up and left and say they will flat out not do business in San Francisco anymore. Bobby, the co-founder of Cash App, was recently murdered in this city. Not due to homelessness. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear about that one. <laughs> the risk is a what they call a death spiral where businesses leave. And as businesses leaves, that lowers the tax revenues of the city. So then the city raises taxes on the wealthy and property owners. Those people in turn leave, and they're left with basically no money and only middle and lower class residents. 
Yeah. So we could easily spin this off and go into politics, but let's just concentrate <laughs> on the fact that <laughs> this is, you know, this is just a problem that's probably hitting every major city out there, right? And it's it's a, it's a problem. Like, how do we handle this? And you're either far left or far right. I don't care how you look at this. This is this needs to be addressed some way somehow. And I'm sure. Brian's going to have some comments here that we're probably going to have to bleep out anyway. So <laughs> I'm sure we have at least one Detroit listener that's like, what do you mean? What are you trying to say about Detroit? It's awesome. It's been like that for the last 50 years. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I'm, I'm happy. This is good news. I don't really like San Francisco all that much to begin with. So, you know, let's, uh, let's move them all out. It's yeah. overpriced anyways. You know, th this has got to be the first time. Um, this is the first year. So like RSA, I've been going to RSA for many, many years now but since I'm a, a local. Uh, I'm considered a yeah, local, relatively right? Local. So I live yeah. about 60 yeah. miles north. And I, I've never been a, in a spot where I'm getting ready to walk into a really nice restaurant. And the people outside have a piece of tin foil huddled around a box. I think it may have been a mailbox or, or some type of... Um, you know, garbage can or whatever. And they literally were firing up something inside of this tin foil and had needles ready. And it was like, oh my God, you know, I've lived here for the last 30 plus years, right? And had never seen that. And it was my first time. And it was like, even I was a little disgusted by that. Like, where the hell are we going to in this world that we can see those type of things? So I would never want to see my kids, um, heaven forbid in that or or can see that kind of stuff i want my kids to see that that way they know what not like to do witness life. the plate sort of like in uh my national lampoons <laughs> like, you gotta witness this plate going on here well yeah i mean you could do that in your own home city without having to come to san <laughs> francisco to the, like to my downtown kids area of whatever city you live in <laughs> yeah my wife my wife my wife used to drive around town saying you see that homeless person do you want to see you want to be that homeless person and my kids would be crying in the back saying no mom we're gonna go to school we promise to have good jobs we'll finish and then yeah just it's that kind of stuff that's it's like really crazy i think we have a really bad i don't think it's a drug problem i think we have a bad mental problem in the united states well, yeah for sure and i i grew up in san francisco so i it, it does make me sad to see that this is what it's come to. And I, I used to work in downtown San Francisco and RSA this past year. I went up there and I mean, it was surreal. I would walk around and I said, well, that used to be a Walgreens. Now it's closed. That used to be a Rite Aid. Now it's closed. That used to be Specialties mm -hmm. Cafe. We used to cater our lunches from there and now that's closed. Or that was Chipotle and now they're closed. And it's, I, I mean, commercial real estate vacancy in San Francisco right now is at 35% and people think that's that's low. That's low when these leases come off lease, these companies are not going to renew. The pandemic definitely didn't help that people are working from home and they're not going to return. And I think I said to you guys in the group chat, so Salesforce said for every day a worker comes into the office, we're going to donate $10 to a nonprofit of your choice. Like it's gotten to that point where they literally have to not necessarily pay people more, but pay this money to charity to get people to return to the office. They, they've leased massive amounts of, of space in the Salesforce tower. They're just not filling it up because this whole paradigm shift of working from anywhere versus working in the office. And that, that's not going to help commercial real estate. 
at all. As these leases come off, companies are going to renew. And I think it's it's an impending crisis in this country. So that's a boon. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're willing to pay a charity $10 a day for me to come in, pay me that money and I'll be grant. I'll be for sure coming in per day. I will be batching in two, three times a day just to get that 10 bucks. Yeah, They don't get the tax write-off, though, if they give it to you versus the charity. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But if you're going to pay anybody, I'll set up a charity for myself. It's the Glenn Medina Needs More Money Fund. So, yeah. The Derek Zoolander School for Kids That Don't Read Very Well or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, was cool. you guys that I was talking to that RSA is probably going to move to Vegas next year? I hope yeah. so. Oh, my gosh. Recap, I hope so. We, we talked about that. Yeah, it, it's It's got to be a decision. It, it, historically, it's always been in San Francisco, but the way things are going it's not looking encouraging and vegas has the infrastructure they have the international airport they have the hotel infrastructure and vegas has its own problems but at least they don't have open air drug markets and people pass out on the street from fentanyl well they probably do (laughs) it's probably some higher end drugs and it's the 15,000 people that live under the city that you don't have to see, right? Yeah. And when I, I think I was, it was Black Hat maybe two years ago, whenever, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was two years ago. And I was talking to the, the Uber driver and he said that, you know, Vegas has really tried to revamp its image. It's not the drunk frat boys walking down the street with the yard long margarita anymore. Like you, you can't openly smoke marijuana on the strip anymore. And the open container law is, not as liberal as it used to be. So Vegas is trying to clean up its image so they don't have those problems to make it more family-friendly. I think you remember like 10 years ago, they tried that, and then and then the what happened in Vegas stayed in Vegas came back. Do you remember that? Like they tried to do that, and they, they realized they lost a lot of revenue. So I guess they're trying to find a happy medium based off yeah, of that. Yeah, pretty much. Well, we continue to get great, get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. You know, gambling at the casino helped my family get much closer. We had to move into a smaller house. Boo, dad jokes suck. <laughs> that was my that was my joke last week, but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> last week's episode That's was... Nice. Wah, wah, last week's wah. joke was Brian talking about the flamingos. What are you talking about? No, last week's joke was just this morning. Me talking we talked about, about deja vu something this else. Morning. I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing so, to do with Which gambling. I can't even remember now. <laughs> yeah. Go home, Glenn. You're drunk. The, the delivery was bad. And yes, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Good. Good. Hey, guys. Bad news. I only have 622 hours of disk space remaining of recording left. So we need to wrap up this episode. Right All now. right. We, Brian's got a Y2K <laughs> problem. So... All right, to wrap things up, that's it. The Lazarus Group is alive and well, so watch out for your crypto. Say goodbye to Cortana. The Brave browser is adding an off-the-record feature, and San Francisco is in a death spiral. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Hebcac Podcast listeners and subscribers who raised five stars the iTunes store on Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For our co-host Brian Nietzsche and Glenn Medina, I'm Chris Louie. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Have a nice day.